In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear faithful, we know that when our Lord came down upon this earth, he, he taught a teaching that was startlingly new, even in reference to the Old Testament. You know, the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, the majority of the commandments, they start off with the words, Thou shalt not. But our Lord sort of showed a different side to those commandments by saying that all of the commandments could be summed up in two commandments that start with the words, Thou shalt. Instead of framing the whole of the moral law in terms of what you are not to do, he framed the whole of the moral law in terms of what you should do. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, and thy whole soul, and thy whole strength. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And we see from this teaching, this special insight that our Lord gives us, that life is not primarily about avoiding evil. Life is primarily about doing the good. Of course we have to avoid evil. Of course we have to try hard not to sin. But if that is our only focus, in the end, we will not be successful at doing it. We will not, in other words, be able to avoid sin if that's the only thing that we're trying to do, if we're not also trying to love God with our whole heart. Our Lord makes it clear that the only way to accomplish the negative, not doing something, is if you're also striving to accomplish the positive, that is, loving God and loving your neighbor. The only thing that will ultimately keep you from offending God is for you to love God. And let's just... Think about an example. Think about someone who perhaps is addicted to pornography. And he says to himself, I have to stop doing this because this is going to send me to hell. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to put uh, these blockers on my phone. I'm going to give the password to, to someone else. I'm going to try to avoid the occasion of sin. And, of course, this will this will be effective in, in a certain way. And we'll, we'll keep the, the, the man from falling into sin for a certain period of time. However, the thing is that even though these, these safeguards have been put in place, there is still a, a major problem. And that is that there is still in the heart of the man an affection for the sin. And until that affection for the sin is removed, then the soul will not be completely successful at removing the sin. It's a first step and will help him avoid sin for a while. But as long as he has the love of the sin still in his heart, and it has not been replaced by a love of God, eventually the love of the sin will triumph over his soul once more. And this just illustrates what, what we all know the spiritual authors say, um, and that is that there, there's really there is no staying still in the spiritual life. When whatever we do, we are either somehow drawing closer to God or we're going further away from Him. We're either growing in the love of God as each day progresses in our life or we're, we're reducing in the love of God. We're, we're separating ourselves from God. And so we have to always be striving to grow in the love of God if we don't want to fall away from Him in the end. And the reason why I mention this is that sometimes we, we just um, can forget how far our Lord's commandment of love goes. Um, our Lord said some really extreme things. Um, and we, we, don't, we definitely don't want to get into the frame of mind, into, into a certain 
uh, routine or a certain groove of complacency in our Catholic life um, and forget some of these things that he says and, and, and forget that, that we must try to follow our Lord in the whole of his teaching, um, not somehow reduce that teaching to a more comfortable size um, so that it fits in our life instead of having the teaching direct our life. Um, we, we can start to observe a sort of truncated, watered-down Catholicism and somehow manages to smooth over the rough edges of the gospel. And we make the Catholic life um, unchallenging and a little different from, from the life of what, what we tend to, to see as the life of the Nova Sordo Catholic, you know, or the, the, the life of the worldling. How easy it is for us to be affected by the spirit of the world that is so invasive today. We know that, that the spirit of the world is, is very much one that only sees this life as important. It, it doesn't think about the fact that we are really made for another life. That everything that we do in this life only has importance insofar as it helps us get to that other life. And if you're just living for this, for this life alone, um, there's above all something that is very odious to you, and, and that is suffering. Anything that might cause you suffering becomes odious to you. And so if, on the other hand, you're living for the life to come, then you see suffering as a very, very important component of your life to assist you to purify your soul, to become unselfish, to draw closer to our Lord who was crucified for us, to earn merit for heaven, and so on. I was uh, reading a book recently, and this book was, was kind of trying to sum up uh, the spirit of, of our generation. And it, and it was saying that the, the, the modern mentality sees everything difficult as a form of oppression. That if, if somehow you receive suffering um, or difficulty in your life, that you are a victim. And that you must react against that and try to throw off the suffering. It also said that, that people today, they tend to, tend to see freedom as a liberation from burdens that... Uh, the, from the burden of unchosen obligations. That, that if somehow obligations come into your life, there's responsibilities that come into your life, and they were unanticipated by you, you didn't want them to come, um, then you have to set yourself free from them, rather than shouldering those, those obligations and, and bearing the cross, um, that you have to try to avoid them. So this is, this is very much the spirit of our world today, and it comes directly from that loss of the sense of the spiritual, the fact that we are made for something higher than this life. And the, the whole focus is, is on having a good time here below because there is nothing afterwards. So because of this, this danger for, for this secular, godless spirit to seep into our lives, it's, it's so important for us to return to the Gospels on a regular basis and remind ourselves of what they contain. The whole Gospel, not, not just part of the Gospel. And in, in this specific context of what I'm talking about today, we must remind ourselves of how far that commandment of love that our Lord gives us goes. 
that, that he says the following. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who calumniate you. And to him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold thy tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of thee, and from him who takes away thy goods, ask no return. This teaching is so high. It's so difficult. What manner of soul do you have to have? What manner of spirit of sacrifice and love do you have to have to practice this? And the first followers of our Lord, they they did not water this down. They took what he said very seriously. They didn't say, oh, he's speaking in hyperbole. He's he's, just sort of using metaphors. He doesn't actually expect us to do this. They understood why he gave this instruction and how important it was for them to strive to live up to it. That's why in today's epistle, St. Paul tells us not to take revenge on our enemies, rather to assist them. That if, if someone does evil to you, feed them, give them drink. If someone is your enemy and is, is working against you who hates you, well, try, try to do charity, acts of charity towards them. Why should we do this? Why is this part of our Lord's teaching? Well, one justification that he gives to us is why we have, he expects us to act this way is because this is the way our Heavenly Father deals with us and deals with everybody. There's so many people who disregard God, who are acting against God, their greatest benefactor. What does God do to them? God is continually doing good. He's continually showering them with blessings in spite of the fact that they are against him. Be merciful, says our Lord, as your Heavenly Father is merciful. And St. Thomas Aquinas, he, he explains to us that, well, we, we're, we're not to love our enemies for what is evil in them. We're, we're, not, we're not to love them because they're doing what is wrong. Of course not. That's not the reason why we are meant to love them. We, we do not love them because of the evil that they do to us, but for the good that is still in them. As long as anyone is in this life, there is still the, 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 at least the potential for them to do good. There's the potential for them to save their souls. There's the potential for them to turn around. And this is why God is so patient with so many people. Why, why he's, he's always trying to somehow bring them towards their true purpose and turn them away from evil. Consider how God looks upon you when you fall into sin. Does he say to himself, you know, one of my creatures to whom I've given everything and for whom I am the greatest benefactor, to whom I'm given, I've given the Catholic faith, I've, I've given my own son, I've given my own son even, even in, the, in the Blessed Sacrament for, to, to nourish these souls. And this, this, my beloved child, has turned against all of my goodness and betrayed me. And therefore, you know, I will smite him. I will... I will you know, exercise the worst revenge possible against this person. No, no. We know that God does not do this. God does not smite us down whenever we do wrong. Um, he gives us a, a, a long leash 
and, and allows us to turn against him time and time again. And he, he bides his time and he waits. And he continues, he waits for the right moment to perhaps bring us back to himself. How many big sinners are there in this world? They're everywhere. And God is so very patient with them. He only rarely intervenes. And, and, and when he does, it is still for their good. And if he causes them to experience any difficulty, it's precisely for the purpose of bringing them back to himself, not to exercise some sort of petty vengeance. So my dear faithful, we, we are called to imitate God. This is what our Lord says to us. You are called to be like God in your relationship with other people. You are called, just like God, to do good to absolutely everyone. And including, that includes people who do wrong to you. You are still called to do good to them. And when you think about enemy, you know, like our Lord says, love your enemies. You must see that as, as an extreme that he's, he's placing. He's, he's trying to clarify uh, for you to what extent that commandment of love uh, goes. He says, love your enemies to show you that even the worst people out there, the, the, the people on, on the furthest extreme of, of your friends and those close to you, even to them, your love must extend. Um, I, I think, generally speaking, it's if, if I were to say, who, who are your enemies? You, know, you might you have probably have a bit of a difficulty saying who, who that would be. Like, well, it's not difficult for me to love my enemies because I don't have enemies. <laughs> probably not, hopefully not people trying to kill you, for instance, or wanting to take your life. They hate you that much. Maybe you do have enemies. I don't know. You're supposed to love them. But what, what, I, what I want to, by, by saying that, I want, I want to say that if, if you're required to love your enemy on, on this end and, and, and God is on the other end, well, you're certainly required to love and do good to everybody in between, especially when, when you consider anybody whatsoever who does anything wrong to you. Who, who does evil to you in any way whatsoever, you are obliged to do good to them. Did your spouse wrong you by speaking against you, or perhaps by neglecting you, by betraying you, by being selfish with you? Our Lord says you must love your spouse. You must do good to your spouse. For the evil that they have done to you, you must return good for that evil. Be silent when, when you are insulted by your spouse. Be silent instead of hurling back words of anger and resentment. If, if your spouse has neglected you, well, you, you are to be just as faithful in doing your duties towards your spouse, even though they're not doing their part. Has your spouse been unselfish? Sorry, selfish. Well, you, you are meant to be unselfish, to be as unselfish as your, as your spouse is, is selfish. This is what you are called to. Did someone wrong you by getting you sick or stealing your property or telling you lies? Well, continue to speak the truth. Continue to do good to them. Be patient with them. Have mercy on them. St. Paul says if, if we do not do these things, if we give way to wrath, then effectively our faith is hollow. We have reduced the gospel to something much more comfortable to ourselves. And we, we put on the name of Christian, but, but in fact, we're following the spirit of the world. We somehow miss the teaching of our Lord. Of course, it's not forbidden for us to, to defend ourselves. It's not wrong for you to avoid those 
who you know want to do you harm. But the main thing is, is that we, we keep a careful track on the dispositions of, of our soul. When someone does wrong to you, what is your reaction? What do you do in return? Do you seek to get back at them and do wrong to them in return? Do you bear the trial and offer it to God? Do you pray for the person who has wronged you and seek to do them good? If you do these things, then you are definitely a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. Above all, my dear faithful, we have to remember what the purpose of our life is. You are here on this earth to grow in the love of God, to fulfill that primary commandment, to draw closer to Him. And you draw closer to God by imitating God, by being like God, by using the grace that's given to you in your soul. That life of God, the, the life of God is, is, is inside of you. And you have to call upon it, especially at that time when you're suffering, when you're annoyed. St. Augustine says, to do good to one's enemies is the height of perfection. In other words, it's almost like if you are able to be good to your enemies, you are imitating God in that way more than anything else that you do. Because the, the essence of God is that mercy. The fact that he is goodness itself, and he only does good. That's all that he does in every situation. No matter what people do to him, he does good to them. So let us, um, of course, call also upon Our Lady um, and ask her for this grace, this very great grace, to bear the wrongs that people do to us with a good spirit. Every single one of us in here have offended her son, have been an accomplice in the crucifixion of her own son. And yet, with us, she's very merciful, she's very gentle, she's only doing good to us. Let us ask this tender mother to give us heart that's like her immaculate heart, such that we, we truly live up to the ideals of our Catholic faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.